Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. I have been excited to record this specific episode for a very long time now. Today, I got to interview one of my best friends in the world, Casey Williams. Casey is one of the coolest, kindest, best human beings that there is out there. She is a badass singer-songwriter. She has the dopest tattoos you can ever imagine, the best hair, and so much knowledge to offer. Casey is one of the first people that I met when I first came out as bisexual here in Nashville. I met her and her girlfriend at the time. My sister invited them over for dinner because she wanted me to meet some different queer couples in Nashville to kind of just talk to and get to know. It was just really cool getting to talk to Casey and getting to know her story and learn that I am not alone and that there are really incredible people out there for me to know and talk to and just feel safe asking questions to and being around. On today's episode, Casey and I go into a lot about what it means to come out as queer in the Christian church. That is a topic that's extremely relevant and close to my heart lately. Coming out as any part of the LGBTQ plus community while you're involved in church or anything like church in any kind of Christianity, bubble, circle, whatever you want to call it. That's a really, really hard taxing thing. And I'm, this video is not to say that Christianity is wrong or bad. So if you're looking for something to say that, that's not what this is. This is just our stories and our experiences in that world because there's just a lot that needs to be said and done when it comes to that. Casey's story is incredible. I had a wonderful time talking to her about her experience coming out as gay and uh, looking inward when it comes to her faith. So thank you for listening and enjoy. If you guys are enjoying the Unity Project podcast and you want to get more involved and support me in what I am doing here and just be a bigger part of these conversations about unity with our bodies and unity with ourselves, then you can join my Patreon family and be more involved by going to patreon.com slash Jackie GTV. That is where you can support me for as little as $1 a month and help me continue to make these podcasts, have these conversations, and to see what comes next to make this conversation bigger and louder and bolder and as vibrant as it needs to be. If you want to do that, go over to patreon.com slash JackieGTV, or if you want to support me and buy my book, read my story, learn how I got from there to here, then go to JackieGronland.com. All that information is in the show notes below, so thank you for listening and enjoy. How's it going? <laughs> what is up, J Money? It is so good to be here. <laughs> oh my goodness. Casey, everyone listening right now needs to know that Casey is the coolest human being on the planet. I don't care what anyone else says. This girl, you have an honor to listen to her right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Big deal. Jackie's just saying that because I have so many tattoos. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I will take the praise gladly. <laughs> So many. Last week we did this thing called Casey Day, where our whole friend group went over to 
uh, Casey's girlfriend's house, and mm-hmm. we dressed up like Casey. I had I had my friend draw Casey's tattoos all over my arms. We all dressed in black because she's a rock star. Oh my god! We I know. <laughs> I literally have never. Like, no one in my life has ever done anything like that for me. It was genuinely the the most love that I have felt in a long time. You guys were so funny and so sweet. And I got to say, Jackie, I, I think that you took the cake for um, just as far as costumes go and dressing up like me. Like, those tattoos just sealed the deal for me. I figured, man. I was like, you know what? All I need to do is a sh- get a Sharpie and an artist and that is all I need to win the prize. Exactly, exactly. I, I was incredibly impressed. <laughs> I was so close to bringing a guitar case and walking in there with it. I was like, if we had guitar here, I would have brought one of the plastic guitars. Oh my god, that would have been perfect. Oh my gosh, that would have made me laugh so hard. So fun. Uh, well, for those of you listening, Casey was one of my first friends when I moved back to Nashville the second time. Mm-hmm. Our story of how we met is kind of fun mm-hmm. because I came out as bisexual um, right around the time I moved back. It was like the end of 2019 and I was living at my sister's house and she was like, let me invite all these queer couples over so you can meet them, but I'm not going to tell them why they're coming or who. <laughs> I don't even know. She like didn't give you much information. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, and so... Casey and her girlfriend at the time came over and I got to meet them and eat homemade pizza. (laughs) And instantly, right when Casey walked up the stairs, I was like, this girl is so cool. I really want to be her friend. She's so cool. And then I realized how nice she was. And I was like, why are you so nice? (laughs) Like, as if those two things cannot coexist. You cannot be cool and nice. (laughs) It just does not make sense. It doesn't. No, exactly. Oh, my God. But it's been so much fun since then. So much fun. So much fun. I'm so glad that we met. I'm so glad that we made homemade pizzas together. Yes. Yeah, it was it was a good night. It was a really it was a really good night. It was. And now Casey is my like Glennon Doyle fangirl best friend. Yes. It's everything. We it drove is. to Nebraska. Where'd we go? Uh Indiana. Okay, I feel Nebraska. like the, I feel like the state changes every time. You're always like, where do we go? We go to New York City? I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> No, we went to Indiana, Jackie. <laughs> okay, you keep it consistent for me because I'm never gonna know. I do, I do, I do. It was it was a lot of fun, and we went to that like really. Um, it was like that health food restaurant, and we got those like. A, do you remember that? We got these like amazing salads that were just yes. like. I still think about that salad like <laughs> months later. I'm like, how how can we go back and. and and eat there again. It was so good. Oh, Casey, we gotta go. Maybe they could deliver it on DoorDash from states away for totally. us. Totally, that would totally not be expensive in the least. No, it'd be worth it because that was a really good salad. So you know, exactly, exactly, and yes. worth it to me. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Casey, thank you so much for wanting to be on this podcast. I have been so excited to talk about this with you because we've had so many good conversations around things like this. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the first time we. We did our, like, one-on-one hang at, I think it was, like, Falcon Coffee. We talked for, like, four hours. We did. We did. And it, like, it it felt maybe, like, two. Like. Yeah. It went by so fast. I just feel, I feel like we had so much to talk about. Oh, it was the best. It was the absolute best. Just because I can, like, I don't know. Hearing your story is so comforting to me because 
sometimes you feel like you're just all alone in this kind of stuff. And so I just really appreciated getting to know you and getting to be your friend mm-hmm. and admiring your tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it I really do I I honestly only get the tattoos to look hardcore um so it's it's good to know that it's working I knew it (laughs) okay well I'm gonna start off by just asking you the question that I ask everyone at the beginning of these Mm -hmm. podcasts is to describe the relationship that you have with your body Mm. Mm. yeah that is a loaded question I feel like but so, so are you thinking more like kind of current relationship that I have with my body as opposed to how it used to be? Yeah, like right in this moment. And then we'll kind of go into like the journey for how okay. I got from there to here. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like now, like, I feel like I've made definite strides in like feeling more connected with my body and just in every sense of the word, like you know, I know that like purity culture is like a huge thing in the church. And that was something I struggled with for a long time. And like, there was a lot of shame surrounding that. And I feel like I've just come a long way in that and just feeling more connected to my body sexually and, um, and even just, you know, self-image and all of that. I, I, I feel like, I feel like we all struggle, you know, growing up and just like, accepting how our bodies look and accepting the things that we were born with. And it's been a journey, um, with that too, but I, I feel like I've, I've come to a place where I'm really grateful for the body that I have and, and really grateful even for the things that like I didn't like growing up about myself. And, um, I think body image is like, it's always a work in progress. I don't know if we're ever like a hundred percent there, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I feel like I've come a long way. Um, especially, you know, in regards to like being so enmeshed in the church for such a long time and just the messages that, that you receive when you're so involved, um, with an institution like that, um, you, you kind of don't even realize that you're internalizing these messages that are telling you that accepting your body and everything that comes with it is, is bad. So yeah, it's, it's been a journey, but I I feel like I'm in a place that is good. And and I feel like it's a constant work in progress, um, kind of deconstructing all of that for sure. Yeah, that is an awesome Awesome answer. And you're touching on so many really important topics, especially when it comes to like being raised in the church and what that does to how you mentioned like purity culture, like what those messages really, really get across to us in our relationships with ourselves and how we see ourselves. And mm. Will you tell me more about what that looked like for you growing up? Like how old were you when you got involved in church? What did mm. that look like? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I... I feel like I really got involved uh, with the church when I was probably like around 14. Um, I had gone to uh, this like um, very Christian um, summer camp that was like really instrumental in my like coming to Jesus process. And um, sorry if you hear any like downtown noises, by the way, Uh, (laughs) I live in the heart of downtown. All good. As the effect. Right. 
but yeah, I, um, I would say around 14 was kind of like, you know, I, I came home from summer camp and was like, just so intense about my spirituality. Um, and then like me being a musician too, I, I, all my friends kind of knew that I was a musician and they kind of like just really pushed me into like leading worship for youth group and leading worship in general. And that was something that I, I didn't really have a lot of experience in either. Um, and that, that was really the time where, um, I kind of like dove headfirst into it and, and really just like latched onto it. Um, and was probably involved from like age 14 to like two and a half years ago. I mean, I'm 30 now. So like a good chunk of my life was spent, you know, serving in the church and leading worship and, um, yeah, just being really, really involved. Um, but yeah, I, I found it pretty early in life in, in my teenage years. Okay. And you, you identify as gay, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you involved, like during your church world and stuff? Like when did you know, Mm. what did that experience look like? Totally. Yeah. My, I feel like my experience is like, I don't, everyone's experience and discovering their sexuality is so different. And that's been like a really beautiful thing, like growing into my adulthood and meeting people that, have such different experiences than myself but for me you know I probably knew there was something different about myself when I was like around seven eight years old like definitely in grade school like having crushes on like girls and and like being confused and kind of like just I remember thinking like why is no one else like me? Like, I feel like I need to keep this quiet because, you know, you start internalizing those messages pretty early on that, like, that it's not normal or that it's wrong. So when I got involved in church, like, I feel like that just like really amped up those messages that I was internalizing. And once I really understood like what being gay was, um, and how, wrong like the church viewed that part of me um it yeah it was really hard because I felt like I from a really really early age like really learned how to hide that part of myself and how to kind of perform to um to appease the crowd and especially being in like a a a leadership position, you know, leading worship, it was just, it was added pressure of just, if anyone finds out, like, it's going to be so devastating and embarrassing. And so I, I kept that to myself for a really long time and, and dated guys on and off for a really long time. Um, and yeah, I, I just, it's such a loaded thing, but I I feel like that was really when I started to keep a lot of stuff inside and learn how to, um, hide like this very real part of myself that I feel like I wasn't even fully ready to acknowledge at the time because I just, you know, we had been taught that it was 
bad and even perverted. And, and, you know, the only way to deal with that really when you're so enmeshed in that world is, is just to hide. And so I did that for a long time. And I think that really added to the kind of subconscious shame that I just kind of felt under the surface, like at all times. Um, but I, I, but I feel like even in it, I feel like even when I look back, I didn't even realize that, that I felt that shame. It was just, it was so familiar and it was so under the surface all of the time that it, re- it really took me coming out for me to look back and realize how much, how much shame I was living in, you know, cause you can be blind to it for, for a long time. Um, so, so yeah, it was a very interesting time for me. Yeah. That's such a journey, man. And like, I think there's so much to say when it comes to what internalizing those messages does to somebody growing up. Cause like, I don't know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, which, which I haven't really done a lot of, I guess, work in, but I've heard a lot of people talk about like when you grow up in the church and you are closeted, you have this like internalized homophobia for yourself mm-hmm. and it just really makes you or at least, like, from my experience and, like, other people's stories I've heard, just, like, really just think you're evil and bad and broken. And it's, like, I felt like, like, from my experience, it was, like, there was this badness in me and that was just part of it. And it just proved that I was, like, wrong. And right. so much happens emotionally and mentally when you're, like, continuously having to hide a part of who you are. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's so interesting because I feel like when you're in it, you don't even realize that you're doing it or that you're internalizing those toxic messages because you can't even really identify them as toxic or as harmful because you're so enmeshed in something that you fully believe. And, you know, for me, it was like, I was so intense about my spiritual beliefs and, you know, I I really felt like I was being called to that. And when everyone around you is kind of living in a certain way and, 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 and honestly, like heterosexual relationships are kind of glorified in the church. And I think that for me was another big thing was just seeing how, you know, marriage between a man and a woman was like, so put on a pedestal Mm. within that culture that it just automatically and unknowingly made me feel like, okay, I, I, I already feel lesser than because I already feel like I'm not going to have that. And if I never have that, or if I do end up with a woman, which it was a long, you know, a long time before I even like acknowledged, like, that ending up with a woman was like a possibility for me. Cause for the longest time I just felt like, you know, even if I do come out, like I'm, I'm never going to let that happen or, you know, it just, it seemed so abominable, like from the perspective of continuing to be in the church and yeah, but but it's it really is insane how you can internalize those things and not even not even realize that 
you're yeah. doing it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, again, you just touched on so many such important <laughs> things that I wanted. I'm trying to, like, cherry-pick which ones I want to right. bring up. <laughs> totally. I guess, like, my my first question after that is, like, what what are some examples, I guess, of more of these toxic messages from the church that you experienced? I know you mentioned, like, purity culture and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that kind of stuff. What are some messages that you remember that had the most impact? Totally, totally. I mean, like, you know, kind of bringing it back to like body image and my relationship with my own body. Like I think there was just this overarching message of anything sexual is wrong, but then you tack on, on top of purity culture and on top of, of that, you know, that homosexuality is wrong And so I I felt like I almost had, it was like these like stacked messages of like, you can't have sex at all. If you do before marriage, it is just the worst thing ever. Um, And then on top of that, it was like, I was having sexual feelings towards girls and and women. And so I, I think I just felt extra, like there was totally something wrong with me or like you said, that I felt broken. Um, and so I really don't think that I allowed myself to have an open relationship with my body because I just, there was a, there was a disconnect, you know, because of those things that you're just hearing over and over and over again. And, and I was even like talking with, um, Shelby, my, my girlfriend, like last night or the night before, just about, you know, when I went to that summer camp, like we had these like designated nights that were dedicated to, um, teaching on purity culture and, um, and, and like the, the campers and the kids would just like cry out of like guilt and out of, um, you know, a lot of the kids were like in their teens and had probably already been sexually active. And it was just like, this really like emotional thing where a lot of of kids would like go to the altar and just cry and feel so guilty. And, and yeah, so, so I, I really just grew up like seeing anything sexual as, as, as something that was dirty and bad. And, and then when I like, you know, lost my virginity, it was like, I actually like cried about it for like, it wasn't like this amazingly like exciting and beautiful thing. It was like, it finally happened. And like my, my immediate response to that was like shame crying. Like, I think I called my sister and was like, I did this horrible thing and I feel dirty. And like, you know, I just, I had such a hard time being able to have compassion on myself and my body and and to tell myself like, it's okay. And it's not dirty and bad to like have that experience and to connect with your body in that way. And yeah, it, it took a really, really long time to, to unwind that, but, um, it for sure, for sure played into, you know, my own connection with my own body too. 
Wow, that's such that's such a oh, it's like bringing up so many memories for me. Just because purity culture, I don't even think. I mean, when I was in it, I mean, I don't know if you really know what it is when you're in it. Yeah. Do they call it purity culture in church, or is it just like no? I, I mean, I don't even. Yeah, I, looking back, I, I don't think that they were taught it as that. I, I think it was more just taught that pure purity was a thing to aspire to and something to kind of if you were able to remain pure you were you were put on a pedestal kind of like in church culture and it was something to be proud of and yeah but but I don't think they actually Mm -hmm. use those those words you know when it's being taught yeah it's just so damaging because I don't know. There's so there's so many layers to it. I was just having this conversation with Kaylee the other day about how like purity culture really like impetuates rape culture in a way. Of oh yeah. Taking away any actual education on sex, any actual education on consent, mm-hmm. any like it just takes away all knowledge and mm-hmm. all even the ability to like think about what it is you would want if you would want it or not. It's just like from all my experiences Mm. when I was still in the church world, it was like, if anything sexual happened, it was just as like, Oh, it's happening. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it was over and you just feel like the worst person in the world. Mm -hmm. You didn't get a chance to decide if you wanted it to happen. You didn't get a chance to decide like Mm. anything about it. Mm -hmm. It was just like the heat of the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. It, but like in a bad way almost because right. I don't know. It just, it feels so shamey. So like, we're not supposed mm-hmm. to be doing this. This is wrong. Right. So we're not going to talk about it and we're just going to do it really quick. And then mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Totally. Opinion. Totally. Because it's like, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like the church kind of doesn't like to talk about anything that is like considered taboo other than like, like if the church does touch the subjects of sex or um, homosexuality, it's it's always just it's wrong. This is why it's wrong, you know. And that that's kind of the end of the conversation. Whereas, like, I, I think it would be so much healthier to. And I think there are some churches that probably try to touch on the subject of like healthy sex but even when they do it's still being taught that that should be within like a man and a woman being married mm-hmm. and there's really no room for any kind of conversation outside of that or outside of like what happens if you know something happens and you don't consent to it or what do you do in those moments? And and a lot of us, I think, just kind of grow up disconnected and not even not even knowing what the word consent means, or not even knowing that it's very possible that a majority of us are going to have sexual experiences outside of marriage. And and I think a lot of us just kind of grow up blind to how to handle those situations because it's never been taught and I and I don't even know if it's like the church's responsibility to teach us that but I do think that there's room for healthier conversations and more open conversations about that not 
just in the church, but like, especially outside of the church and just societally and, you know, and I, and I think that as a society, we are progressing more towards having more open conversations, but, um, yeah, I, I think for us growing up, it, it makes sense that we had to deconstruct so much because those are just conversations that are considered taboo and off limits. Yeah. One of my like biggest pet peeves about, I guess, evangelical culture is like the conversation ends at the Bible and at scripture. It doesn't like start there. We don't like talk about it, but we like, this is the truth and we're not going to ask any questions. And that's just is what it is. Totally. And I don't know. I'm just like, and I mean, that's not how, like, I'm not trying to say that's how, like, every single person in evangelical culture is, because it's not. Right. That's just a lot of experiences that I've had. Right. Yeah. That have just really negatively affected me and my relationships and different friends that I have. And it's just, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. And when it comes to, like, period culture and sexuality and stuff, like, it's shaming you for being a human being because like right sexuality is such a beautiful human part of who we are and mm. the lack of conversation and the lack of honestly even just like celebration for that when you're mm. that young growing up thinking your whole salvation depends on you being pure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that means like and you can't even control like the thoughts in your head and you're going to have them because you're human. So then if you have this thought, you're dirty and wrong and broken and ashamed. And like, mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, how that like is the most, I can't remember exactly what you said, but how like that just like breeds a lot of disconnection from yourself because mm-hmm. I'm afraid of this part of myself. Like, like me knowing I was bisexual, you knowing like you were gay mm. or even just like having any thoughts around sex in general. Like that's this part where like trying to like vote off the island because that's unacceptable. So it just disconnects you from your body and it disconnects you from your emotions because you're trying to stay inside these four walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Oh, there's so many things. There's so many things. So, here. so many things. Yeah. And, and I think too, like, you know, it, it, like, I'm not trying to come at this from, like, shaming the church or saying that everything about the church is bad because it's not. And I had really formative experiences within the church as well. But I also think that, like, for me, for me personally to be able to begin that journey of, like, really connecting with myself and learning how to celebrate those parts of myself, I really did have to step away because just the act of being there for me and also just not being in like a super affirming community or an openly affirming community, it just really felt like everywhere I looked, like, first of all, there was no representation for me because you know, everywhere I looked, it was, there were no out queer people and it was only heterosexual married people. And I felt like I didn't really have a lot of people to connect with, but for what I'm trying to say really is, is for me personally, stepping away and taking time away from that really allowed me to give myself 
permission to start asking hard questions or questions that would be like embarrassing to ask within a church community and, and really just, yeah, freed me up to start my own journey in discovering myself and, and read redefining for myself what I feel is okay and what is okay to actually like celebrate and, and now, yeah, I feel like I'm really in a place now where I can like really celebrate my queer identity and be really proud of that and be really proud of all that that entails and not carry around all of that like shame and embarrassment because you don't really realize how heavy it is until you're out of it and until you walk away from it. And then you can kind of look back and say, wow, like it really wasn't okay that I was carrying all of that around for such a long time. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's super, super true. What, what did, what did the stepping away look like for you? Like what was kind of your realization of like, I want to start asking these questions or, I want to even just like stop betraying yourself in a sense. Cause that's how it felt to me for a while. But what did that mm-hmm. look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a really good way to put it. Like betraying yourself. Um, Cause that's really, I didn't realize it at the time, but that's really what was, what was going on with, with me. And um, yeah, I, I think I just, you know, I was in a relationship a couple years ago and kind of naively was like, let's go to church together. And, and we went to church together and, and it, and it wasn't even that people were saying openly bad things to us or anything like that. But it was more just the realization for me, like looking around and and seeing like, wow, like we're the only out queer couple here. And we're kind of being looked at as like, the oddballs out. And it, it, for me, it just really made me realize like there really isn't any representation for me here. And that's actually really hard for me. And I actually like deserve to be in a place where I look around and I'm, I'm not the only one like me, you know? And cause I didn't realize that that was really like attributing to a lot of shame. Um, for me personally, just, um, constantly feeling like alone in my queerness and um and it just made me realize the importance of safe spaces and a place where you really are affirmed for who you are and not just like accepted um I think there's like a difference between being accepted somewhere and being affirmed somewhere and it was really like those two things kind of like and and that relationship in particular where I tried to be a part of a church and be in an open relationship and I just felt like those two things were like constantly kind of like at war and I eventually just realized like you know what like I, I really deserve to a like step away and, and deconstruct my beliefs and figure out where the shame is coming from and and be like surround myself with people that actually do affirm 
my identity like fully and wholly and, and completely and aren't just like kind of like beating around the bush and saying like, yeah, you're accepted here. You're loved here. Um, we love you. Um, but then no one really wants to like actually confront the fact that, that you're queer or actually like give you the same privileges that any other heterosexual counterpart would have. And so Mm. once I came to those realizations, it really made it really hard for me to continue going because it just felt like, it felt like it was doing me more harm than good at that point. Yeah. 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 Cause it's kind of like to continue being a part of this thing, you had to, I guess as like my therapist puts it all the time, like zip up and hide this part of yourself Mm -hmm. and live. Like we've been talking a lot about like incongruency and like living different on the outside and the inside to kind of stay accepted and stay okay. And that's so not cool. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, it, it, that's the perfect way to put it too. Like, I feel like the word incongruent is so accurate because that for so long was how I felt like I was living. I felt like I was living a double life and like being in the church, you know, I felt like that double life was wrong. And it was like, it felt like my, it felt like my psyche was kind of like split in two. And there were like these two parts of me that were just constantly in conflict with one another because the the church was telling me that they couldn't coexist. And I think that naturally disconnected me from my body too, because I couldn't even reconcile like these two parts of myself, like being a spiritual person and being gay, you know, like it was like, it was like, I, I felt like at the time that those two things had to be compartmentalized from each other. And so of course that's going to affect my relationship with my, my body. Like I'm not even, I'm not even allowing like those two identities to exist emotionally and spiritually within myself. So like how, how in the world is that going to like trickle down to my relationship with my body? Like there's no way unless I really allow myself to accept every part of me and love every part of me I feel like that's like such a prerequisite to loving your, your body and like all of who you are. Cause I feel like your body is just like a, an extension of, it's like a physical extension of, of those things, you know, of the spiritual and of our, our soul and it's all interconnected. And so, um, so yeah, even talking about it now, it's like, I can really look, look back and see like why I felt so like fragmented within myself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you're just like voting these pieces of you off the Island and it's like, right. You can't possibly be a whole human being. When our safe places start to become not safe or certain pieces of those places are taken away from us. Yeah. It makes it, it makes it really hard to, to feel safe in those places at all. unfortunately, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think the difference is? You said that 
being accepted and being affirmed are very different. How would you describe that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, I feel like this is something that like a lot of churches just like don't understand and not just, not just churches, you know, I mean, other, other places too. Um, but I, I think that a lot of people think that acceptance is affirming um, when really they are two, two different things. And in my mind, like I see someone who like accepts you is someone who's like, yeah, like I like fully accept you. Um, you know, but I, I disagree with who you are essentially. And, um, I'm not gonna celebrate those parts of you because I, I disagree with that. And, um, it's kind of like this feeling of like, they're like accepting me on a base level, but are refusing to celebrate like this part of me that makes me so beautiful and, and unique and authentic to myself. And I think a lot of, a lot of, I know we're talking about the church a lot and this does not just apply to the church, but I think a lot of churches do kind of think like, oh yeah, we're doing our part. Everyone is welcome just as you are. Um, we love you. We accept you, your family to us. And, and they're like putting out these messages that make people feel really safe, like in the beginning and kind of cause you to, um, to invest a lot in those people and in those places. And then later on, you kind of find out, oh, they're only accepting me to a certain degree. There's like this like invisible ceiling that's like, oh yeah, we love you and accept you. But like, because of the way you're living your life or because of who you are, you're not allowed to do like X, Y, Z or, um, essentially what it's saying subliminally is that we, we accept you to a certain degree, um, until we don't. And being affirming to me is just like the complete opposite of that. It's like, and everyone is entitled to their own beliefs, obviously. Um, but for me to feel affirmed is, is would be for me to be in a community of people or in the company of a person that says to me, like, I see you, I see all of you. Um, I like celebrate all of you and I'm not going to treat you any differently because of that. Um, I, you know, someone who actually like acknowledges, like, that's a really beautiful part of you and acknowledges that it makes you even more who you are and even more authentic to yourself and Mm -hmm. celebrates that with you and doesn't, there's no limit to that love. There's no ceiling. There's no, um, like threshold, you know, holding holding them back from loving and celebrating you fully. And I I think that's where a lot of like churches get confused because they think like we're doing our part. Queer, queer people are welcome here, you know, but in reality, they're, they're not actually like affirming the identity of those people. And it actually leads to more hurt and more pain and, and more harm once those people get invested and then realize like, I'm not celebrated here. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. my goodness. This is such a hot topic for me right now. It's like, there's the biggest difference. You did such a good job at explaining that. Cause it's like, I feel like from my experience, I hear a lot of everybody's welcome. All our family, all are included and accepted and we love you. And the doors are open. And like a lot of the like lingo that I've heard uh, from places like the ranch where like you belong before you believe, even if you never believe in all this stuff. But then when you get down to it and you find out, okay, mm-hmm. but what exactly does it mean for me if I'm openly bisexual here? Like what are the rules for me compared to everybody else? Mm-hmm. And I just recently like straight up asked and was mm-hmm. told, well, you can do this stuff, but you can't be around any of the kids we mentor. You can't mm-hmm. be a leader in any kind of way. Right. But you can go scoop horse poop. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't worded like that, but it was called horse care. But it was just like, okay, so I'm accepted, but I have different rules Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and different, like, I don't get the same opportunities as everybody because of my sexuality. Mm -hmm. But I'm accepted. And, like, it's totally different versus, like, me being like, hey, I'm openly bisexual. And being like, awesome, cool. That doesn't change a thing. Exactly. Yay. It's like totally different. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's an issue. It really is like an issue of like actual equality. And it's like, you know, if you're accepting and you want to be affirming, it's, it's an issue of like, are you offering the same privileges of equality to us the same way that you would to someone who is not gay like Mm -hmm. and if you're not then like I don't even really know if you can say that you're accepting because you you're essentially like discriminating against a people group and telling them that they're lesser than and I know that some places would say we're not trying to say that you know we're just like you know acting you know based on our belief system but like the reality is like okay, well, you can say that, but you really are being discriminatory and and you are treating a people group as lesser than. And I think a lot of people need to like have the wool pulled from their eyes to really see like, that's really what's going on. You can like butter it up with language or whatever, but you're like pushing people out and, and, and treating people as, um, as though like you're somehow superior and that's yeah it's so harmful and so hurtful Mm -hmm. yeah and that's when you're left with the choice of like okay either hide this part of myself and stay Mm -hmm. in this thing Mm -hmm. or like I stop betraying myself and start living like fully in who I am and like that's where Glennon's book Mm. for those listening who don't know what we're talking about read untamed yes it's amazing yes 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 Um, but that's when you're like faced with that decision Mm -hmm. and you're faced with like continue disconnecting with yourself and your body or start listening to yourself and your body and looking at how beautiful of a human being you are right right well Casey what is what does this look like for you now I know you were saying that there's been like a lot of like a long process and progress of what it looked like from 14 year old Casey to today when you're like you're open and you're you and Mm it's just totally different. Like what did that look like after I guess the stepping away? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like I've come a really long way, you know, and, and one thing too, like that, 
I've talked about this with Shelby and my family knows this too. Like I, you know, before I really chose to step away, I was in a really dark place and like, honestly, like was struggling with suicidal thoughts and not realizing that it was stemming from these harmful messages that were being fed to me for so long. And I, you know, I actually had to call my sister to come out and be with me. This was probably back in 2016, like four years ago or so. Um, because I was just like, I I feel like I can't be alone. I feel like these thoughts were just like tormenting me, but I didn't realize that's what was going on. I just, you know, felt like I was kind of like drowning in this like really dark place and not really able to to get myself out of it. And I remember like my sister and I went to go get ice cream together when she came out here to be with me and we were sitting out on the benches eating ice cream and she was leaving the next day and I was like kind of like like anxious that she was going to be leaving and I was going to have to be alone again. And she just kind of looked at me and said, you know, Casey, do you think like a part of what you're feeling is, is because of your view of, of God, like how, how you see God and how you think he sees you. And I like hadn't even really, I didn't even really think it was like a spiritual issue or an issue of beliefs because I kind of thought, Oh, I'm just like getting rejected by a girl and I'm depressed, but really it was like so much deeper than that. And you know, so that's kind of where I was even just a couple years ago and still being pretty, pretty enmeshed, um, in the church and, and all of that. And, um, but once I really chose to step away, like it was a slow process, but I, I really slowly, um, started to explore and accept those parts of me that for so long I I was told were dirty. And I think a big part of that too was like surrounding myself with people that were, I don't know, like surrounding myself with people that were also queer and people that had gotten to that place where they were able to celebrate themselves and able to, um, to walk in that fully. And I think that was a really, really big part of of it for me too, was, um, just, just being around people like that and not only surrounding myself with people that had such limiting, uh, belief systems. And that really opened my, my mind up to a lot to what was possible and, um, you know, and being able to slowly unravel all of those things and, Um, yeah, I I think that that really set an example for me too. Um, and I really just began my own journey and, and undoing a lot of that. And I still think that I have a ways to go. And I still think that there are like layers that I'm probably going to work through with my therapist as far as like, yeah, like the church, like kind of broke my heart. Like, yeah. And I feel like I haven't even really fully faced that yet. Like, And I think there probably is like a lot of like heartbreak and resentment underneath all of that. But in all of that too, I I feel like I 
have really just, you know, made such strides and just like not shaming myself, you know, for being a sexual being, not shaming myself for just being the human that I am. And actually even trying to take one step further and like celebrating the fact that I'm a sexual being and like celebrating the fact that that is such a beautiful part of the human experience that we all get to experience. And it's just so much better when you really are able to throw off a lot of that shame. Um, Yeah. And so I definitely feel like way more shameless in that way and way more connected to my body. And I'm still in process of figuring out how I can continue to feel more connected to my body. Cause I just feel like it's like a lifetime of work. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That's like an even bigger conversation that I would love to have. We should hang out soon. Cause mm-hmm. I want to talk about all this with you. Totally. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yes, we will. We will. Yes. Dude, yeah, just the celebrating what you're saying, celebrating being a sexual being mm-hmm. has been such a journey, such a journey because like this beautiful part of who you are, which we were talking about earlier, but was taboo for so long in multiple ways of just sexuality and then also um, being queer, like mm. kind of untangling that, that untangling the shame around that and learning that it's not just okay, but it's a beautiful thing. Like, mm. I don't know. My experience right now has been so eye-opening and life-changing and just like, mm. oh, this isn't bad. This is actually something really beautiful about who I am. And mm-hmm. I get to explore that and mm-hmm. love myself in that. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey, I have like two more questions for you. Okay. My first one is, uh, <laughs> actually, I have three more questions for you. Is that okay? Okay. Three more. <laughs> Yeah, magic number. Okay. Okay. First one. If you were to go back in time as you right now and tell 14-year-old Casey something, mm. what would it be? Like at the start of like mm. this journey. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. I feel like Shelby and I were talking about this the other night. Um Yeah. Oh my gosh. If I could say anything to 14-year-old me. It would be that it's going to be okay and that it's going to be hard, but, you know, it is so worth living as your authentic self and not hiding. And I think too, and I'm, I'm sure everything happened in my life exactly how it needed to, but Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I wish I I would have maybe come out earlier. I wish maybe I wouldn't have taken part in those, or or at least I don't want to say not taken part in church because I do think it was a really beautiful part of my life. And it's a complicated relationship I think I have with all of that. But I don't know. I think if I could tell her too, like, it's okay to like live as who you are, you don't have to hide for so long. Cause I really did hide for so long. And I think if I could have taken that burden off myself for just, even if it was just 
a couple years earlier, I think I would have found a lot of freedom, like as my younger self. But definitely just, you know, I would say like, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay, you know, and it's going to be worth it. Absolutely. That's such an important message for everyone and anyone, but like, especially, especially a little young baby Casey. I know. (laughs) Young baby baby Casey. Mm. Yes. Maybe my second to last question Mm -hmm. is what are some things that you do, like some practices that you have today to help you feel more connected with yourself? Mm. Yeah. I think for me, I've like tried meditating and that helps and journaling is something that like I used to do all the time and it's it's something that I actually think I'm going to start back up with my therapist um, because I just started going back to therapy like a week ago which I'm oh I know you gotta tell me about it it's awesome I know definitely like cause for celebration (laughs) Wait, off the record, is this the, is this, I'll take this out, but is this the therapist that you had a crush on? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, okay, I'll edit that yeah. out, but I'm so excited. I know, it. I know, and I've come, come a long way with that too, thankfully, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so I, so I just started going back to therapy, and I just think like, having time alone to really figure out what you love, what do you love to do? What makes you feel grounded? What makes you feel like yourself? Like for me, like, obviously I love music so much. So like, I have to take time to write and to play guitar. Or if I don't, I like will feel like I'm going crazy at some point. So that's huge for me. But yeah, I think just alone time too is just really important. Giving yourself time to really get to know yourself, find out who you are, discover parts of yourself that you haven't discovered before or have been too afraid to discover, you know? Um, and that even goes like sexually speaking, like, and, you know, and it's like a real taboo thing that people are like, Oh my God. Like, but really like, I feel like those things are important and, mm-hmm. I think getting to know all of yourself is really important and yeah. So, so those, those have definitely been things that have like kept me grounded and, and kind of connected, connected to myself. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Mm. That is super awesome. I need to get back into meditation stuff too. And Mm -hmm. I'm the biggest journaler ever. So we can talk about that for a hot minute. Oh my God. Yes. That is such a good practice. And like, yes. such a good practice that I feel like it's just so great. You're, you know, you're able to look back, look back in a year and see how far you've come. And yeah, I, I just, I think everything about journaling is so, so great and, and so helpful and staying connected with what's going on inside. Absolutely. Okay, I have one final question for you. Normally, I have this prepared before the podcast, but I don't. So I'm just going to start talking and see what happens. Okay. Um, Would you rather have an assistant who is a unicorn, but this unicorn is really sassy? Mm. You don't really like the unicorn. It gets all the work done you need to be done, but it's Mm. like so 
sassy. Okay. And everyone mm. thinks you're cool for having an assistant unicorn, but like mm-hmm. he's really just a pain in the ass. Mm. Mm. But he helps you out. Uh-huh. Okay. Or would you rather work for a company that's whole goal and mission in life is to create very strange charcuterie boards that don't taste very good and your whole life's devoted to it. Oh my God. And the charcuterie. Okay. So let me get this straight. The charcuterie boards don't taste very good. No, they're not like bad. They're just like really obscure, obscure and and they don't taste very good. Okay. Yeah. They're really weird. They put like really weird, like, like just weird stuff like orange. Ooh. Uh, olives i don't know just yeah. whatever's the weirdest thing on a charcuterie board this is the whole mission and it's a successful company and okay. you make a decent living off of it but okay. that's just what you do and that's what you have to tell people you do okay honestly my my gut reaction is i'm like drawn to the charcuterie boards i think <laughs> i think like the creative in me is like oh yeah i would love to like <laughs> come up with like weird ass like combinations of like Oh, here's a board with like pickles and uh, melted chocolate and uh, uh, candy corn. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Uh, candy corn. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just oh, feel like right. I even even <laughs> if the end product was not like the best tasting thing in the world, I would have a lot of fun putting those concoctions together. I think. I'm about it. I think we need to do a career change and start a company together. That's what totally. We got to come up with a, with a company name. Uh, maybe not right this second, but I feel like, I feel like there's some brainstorming that can happen for sure. It'll happen. Just give, give us two weeks and on the podcast in two weeks, I'm going to announce it later. So first Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Casey, you are an absolute champion. Mm. How, how can people contact you? Well, real quick, Casey's an incredible musician, absolutely incredible. So you need to tell people how they can follow you social media wise and find your music and anything that you want to share. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. My social media is just my name, Casey Williams, K-A-C-I-E. Um, and then I have like a, a link in my bio to uh, my music too. Um, I have like a side project called uh, Toma, T-O-U-M-A. Um yeah, so you can find me there, and that's honestly really, really where I'm the most active. Um, so yeah, find find me on the Instagrams. Okay, amazing, amazing. <laughs> and a quick note, Glenn and Doyle, if you're listening to this, me and Casey love you, and we saw you in Indiana. Yes, we did. We, we waved at you. We waved. We know you saw us. You just didn't want to make everyone else jealous. Totally. She waved back. I think she, she was exclusively waving at us, but she was also just trying to be polite. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Glennon, we love you. We we want to be friends with you and have hot tea with you yeah. and talk about everything, all the things. All the things. All the things. Casey, thank you so much for being willing to share your story and answer my random questions at the end and just being my friend you are an incredible human being Mm, absolutely Jackie it is a pleasure and I love you and I'm so glad that we took the time to do this same man same I'm gonna text you because we are going to plan all the fun things okay I'm so ready so ready yes okay I love you have a good rest of your work day all right love you Jackie bye bye